Hey, 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 everybody. It's me, Victor Marino, along with Adam Rakowski, Kirby Nelson, and together we are cult following, bringing you guys, our listeners, and the people of Phoenix, Arizona, and all around the world, the best in our thoughts on cult film, film memorabilia, and horror all happening online and everywhere here on our podcast cult following on itunes and soundcloud and reviews on our website cultfollowing.co check us out at cult classics az for local film events if you ever happen to be in arizona but if you haven't come to arizona you might be familiar with the fact that if you're a listener of the show we the three hosts undersigned are big collectors we love film. We love film memorabilia. We love tangible product, Blu-rays, DVDs. They're collectible. We talk about it very often on here. And lately, as in the last few years, we've seen this big, big boom in these micro mini prestige labels putting out Blu-rays and DVDs in these awesome collector formats. But now, and for a while, it was you know little little ones like Shout Factory creating Scream Factory, and then the Mighty Arrow Video, which had these great great packages overseas, stirring up their own U.S. imprint, sort of challenging that Criterion formula of you want the definitive edition of X amount of movie. It used to be Criterion, but now if you want the definitive edition of a movie that's horror or cult, it usually tends to be on a smaller label like Synapse or Arrow or Shout Factory. But what we've been seeing, there's been this big, big boom in prices and these kind of editions. I don't know. What do you think, Kirby, about what's going on there? I'm just sick and tired (laughs) of these big editions with all their stuff shoved in there. And then... So they they have like oh special introductory price of thirty four ninety five or even like twenty seven ninety five and they're like well we'll let you know what we're gonna finally put on the disc months from now but order it now for five bucks off yeah I like how your voice kind of went Bill Cosby ish there on well, like a Columbia House rant I think like that, circa nineteen eighty. I'm sorry I'm not Kirby I, but I, I, I thought that was no, no, Adam's no. impression of Kirby. <laughs> Well, that could be too. <laughs> but yeah, I, you make some fair because points. Because is there. it worth it? I mean, we mentioned before you, you we even hit record. Because now you got me. Now you guys had your all Rob Zombie talk, you know, before. Yes. Now I'm on fire. Yes. I've had Bridget. enough. I've had enough caffeine to kill a horse. Yes. Now, so this Buckaroo Banzai uh, uh, Shout Factory, Scheme Factory, whoever's put it out, same company, same umbrella, whatever's whatever's. S Factory. Now, I avoided getting the Buckaroo Banzai. I, I got the DVD version, which was awesome. It was so chock full of stuff and, and, and extras and commentaries, very strange commentaries where they took Buckaroo Banzai as a real person and the Banzai Institute as a real institute. And this was just a documentary on Buckaroo Banzai is basically what the film was. Okay. So all those weird little elements that they threw in there and and catching up over, I don't know, 15 years since the movie came out or 20 years since the movie came out and onto uh, the original DVD, was it was fantastic. And you, you couldn't even peel back all the different layers of that onion. They put they released a Blu-ray version, but it was, I believe, only like a German version, but was an all-region and you know you could still get it in in the states 
eh, maybe sold for around like eighteen ninety nine. That kind of seems like you know, but it was very bare bones. They didn't yeah. really have like a lot of the same extras that were on the DVD. Maybe some of the uh, missing scenes or uh, extraneous scenes that were not in the original theatrical release. But that was pretty much it. So I was holding out. I said, I'm not going, even though I want to look at a really nice transfer, I don't even know if the transfer is going to be the same. And that's another thing that also gets at me, too, is depending on the company, the transfer might not be any better than the DVD transfer or the Laserdisc transfer. Um, that's usually where they pull their sources from because it's like, well, they, they took you know the original negatives, they put all this work into it to get it on you know a, a Laserdisc CAV and and. Or and you know DVD, you know they say like you know 4K restoration or whatever. Um, you don't really know who's behind the helm if it's not watched by the original editor, uh, overseen or the director um, or somebody directly involved to make sure that the the color corrections are correct, you know, and whatever uh, scratches or something are removed, you know, so maybe something that bothered them or whatever. Uh, the 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 whole thing about Buckaroo Banzai now then that that scream uh, or shout got their hands on it and release it. They added more things. And one of the things that they like to add to a lot of their releases is to get the, as much of the original cast that will come back. And this is not just exclusive to Buckaroo Banzai, but this also applies to a lot of the other things that they release. And, and one of the things that I like about them, no matter how short it is or how long it is or who they get or who they don't get, they put a lot of work into it. And they ask some really interesting questions to kind of deconstruct what it was like to be on the set, what they thought originally of the script, what they thought the movie was going to be like, and the fan reactions, you know, years afterwards. It's like, I can't believe I'm sitting here still talking about the movie, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years later, you know, whichever movie that they, they happen to be putting out at that time. So Buckaroo Banzai got a lot of the principal actors back, which was really cool. Um, some people I wish they they would have found and talked to. But the thing is, you know, they got John Lithgow there. They got Peter Weller there. Oh. Um, they got uh, a, a lot of the principal actors back. Jeff Goldblum didn't, wasn't available for comment, uh, which is kind of a bummer. But he really didn't, wasn't like a huge, huge player in the film, I don't think. Not as much as the other ones were. Uh, the, the only thing I, I think it was lacking was they didn't have the extended cut. With the original opening. Oh, really? The DVD has that, but the Blu-ray does not. That's really well, weird. And that lends itself to a huge issue that you're kind of talking about. I mean, we'll put on is, is that collectors a lot of times are going, like you were saying, Laserdisc to DVD to Blu-ray to 4K. So for a lot of people, they're like, I don't have disposable income. I have to sell each edition to fund <laughs> right, the next right? one. Yeah. But then I get worried that I'm going to lose an extra or some exclusivity to some item, whatever it may be, or, you know, and then I don't want, and now, now I have four editions. Right. And, and that also lends itself to the color timing thing you brought up. Let's talk about, I mean, obviously the kings originally of this were Anchor Bay. Yeah. I mean, Halloween, Army of Darkness, and Evil Dead have to be the most released films possibly of all time, like re-released. I mean, they got to be up there. I mean, I'm not talking like Wizard of Oz or some other classic, like, institutional film. Mm -hmm. I'm saying Halloween, it took till they made that um, media book style edition, the actual book one. Dean Cundey finally, the director of photography on 1978's Halloween, finally came back and did the color timing 
100% right for the Blu-ray. Cool. Like, mm-hmm. supervised it. But now, so Halloween, so there's that edition. And then a year later, I bought the Shout Factory box set with the lithograph. I paid like 120 bucks. I paid 20 bucks for the media book edition. Uh-huh. And then I paid, um, I have the other 30th anniversary with the Michael Myers face. I have the, um, you know, just on that film alone. And it's like, and then individual films. I have a lot of the Halloweens on individual Blu-rays, um, you know, so you, and DVDs. And it's like, I just, I'm not enough focused. And I mean, I can go onto a website and stuff, a DVD fanatic on one of the um, the big ones and stuff like Blu-ray form to find out every single thing. I try to research, but it's like, this is an exhaustive effort just okay. to find out what, what exactly am I getting well, for this price? Well, especially if it's a blind buy of something you haven't seen in years and it's yeah. just being reissued when it was like on DVD 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, because those DVDs can be worth an exorbitant amount of money. Oh, sure. And the thing is, when you're going up to in format, you want to think you're getting the definitive version and you won't need Absolutely. That, that. But I'm finding more often than not, I have to keep multiple copies of a Blu-ray to get all the extras, usually one from a different region, and probably a DVD for a commentary that they couldn't get the rights to port over from the original company. So I'll have, you know, three different versions of RoboCop or three different versions of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And then the most obnoxious to me is when I get to something that, this is definitive, okay, fine. And then a year later, much like the debacle Anchor Bay used to use, Oh, we've got a new commentary. Oh, there's a new transfer. You know, I have five different versions of Lucio Fulci's zombie. There's no overlap except for the bare bones. You know, I shouldn't have to have Arrow's version of zombie flesh eaters along with Blue Underground's uh, restoration of zombie, which was done frame by frame on a computer and gives the whole thing this soft, you know, 70s porno look to it that I just can't deal with on any level. And the fact that you don't have... I have to get a DVD just to get the movie I remember versus this cleaned up version that just was does not I match still think anything. The uh, Shriek Show is the definitive version. Yeah, I have me. that one That's too. That's my one. favorite yeah. one. Yeah, that one's great. And the packaging is awesome. The packaging is spectacular. Shriek Show is one of the great. Companies, you, know, you talk about like Anchor Base kind of falling off Shriek Show, and that's what's given rise too. Is is that I mean it's just the marketplace, but it's, um, you know, obviously Arrow's been a long time overseas and now coming over, and you know we're talking a lot about horror here, but it really is. It can be sci-fi, it can be cult exploitation, seventies well, knees, and you've got these now ones like, um, you know, Vinegar Syndrome, you know, and they're all vying to be uh, with Arrow and Synapse and a few of the other ones. Because um, I think Blue Underground's kind of gone yeah. too now to jockey for that position of, you know, we are your one stop source for all things cult, basically. Didn't Blue Underground get absorbed by Arrow? No, no, no. It's um, Bill Lustig owns it, the director of Maniac yeah. Cop and Maniac. Oh. He, I actually ran into him at Goblin uh, a few years back in at the Egyptian Theater, and ended up talking with him for a while and stuff. Super nice guy. But you know, he just you know, in a lot of these films too, they lose uh, people also lose their license yeah. for it. it. It can get expensive. But I just in in some other ones or like Anchor Bay. Was it was Blue Underground and Anchor Bay in bed together Anchor at one Bay point? Anchor Bay became stars at one point. Stars yes. Entertainment. And wow. now it's reverted back to using the Anchor Bay imprint. Yeah. The old logo even, um, the classic sailboat logo yeah. instead of the Stars Anchor Bay logo or with the uh, stylized kind of monster energy drink A. Yeah. But um, 
but no, I mean, I just, I think that that, and there's even ones like, I mean, I really only do a couple films like Grindhouse releasing. Grindhouse releasing, uh, Cult Epics. Cult Epics that they only do a few films every few years. I mean, But they put out, like, like that's a thing. Top-notch like, stuff. Yeah. But it's, you know, so instead of the glut, which is kind of what you're talking about, too, you're mm-hmm. hinting at in your original opening. Diatribe. Diatribe. Uh, yes, when Adam started falling down. Um, but it's okay. Defense. Well, and the thing is, as much as purists would hate would hate to admit this, but it's become the truth. I think in the early days of Laserdisc and even up until the 90s, it was people who collected prestige editions of like classic films like the Super Casablanca box set or the Super Gone with the Wind that were keeping, you know, the repertory releases of these companies yeah, and in business. It, and now right. it's you know, Lionsgate just debuted their new line of Vestron video prestige releases of 90s kind of schlocky horror like Chopping Mall and uh, Waxwork, Waxwork 1 and yeah. 2. And this is what's keeping them afloat now because it's all the horror collectors who want the best possible edition, best possible packaging are keeping home video alive. So for every Super Kubrick box set you see, you'll see 20 super nice versions of the worst probably possible movies just because there's a bigger fan base for them that will absorb well, and buy it. And I think even to like going what you were saying about the Laserdisc thing is when I was buying Laserdiscs, now was the hot thing at the time, I was snapping up as much as I could and mm-hmm. they were just barfing out as much as they possibly could yeah uh, full moon was releasing everything on laser disc you know they didn't they didn't that's what charles band does yeah <laughs> all the time well, yeah they did that with vhs and then they would have their uh what was that little show that they would do before or after with like william oh, shatner the video zone and yeah, then the they video did zone the, uh, stuff the ones, and, yeah um you know would add a little something to it and then you wouldn't necessarily get those in, in other versions. But the thing about buying Laserdisc is I felt I was preserving the integrity of that movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this, you know, version of, you know, going back to Wizard of Oz or the Tron box set, which was really cool, or the Jaws box set, you know, it was not only was it a work of art, it was a substantial piece of movie movie memorabilia with the movie in it. Yeah. Uh, much like the, the nostalgia for vinyl and the resurgence of that, I mean, Laserdisc is not coming back. There's still a big community for it and a lot of trading that's going on. Uh, but, well, now it's and mostly like decoration. that are still, I mean, you cannot, you can get on VHS, right. but The Keep is one of the movies I always mm-hmm. look for on Laserdisc when I'm out hunting because it is the only version that is, um, and that was a big sell for, it's crazy to think about now how uh, uh, spoiled we are, that the original purpose, it's you hit on it though with the pre- preservation. Criterion was the first company to produce li- uh, widescreen formats for public display, like mm-hmm. for public home exhibition. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy. That widescreen used to be the special feature on film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time I saw a movie in widescreen on one of those four by three projection televisions that were yeah. like two thousand dollars then, and now people throw away. And I was like, the top and the bottom are missing. You know, when you're a kid, you don't. You don't, it, it, It's one of those things that as you grow older and you recognize films being shot in scope and how everything is just 
uh, the vision of a director is not what you see growing up on a right. Saturday matinee. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's so much that's missing. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of shocking. But when you're seeing it for the first time, it seems odd. That's when I was working at Tidal Wave Video is when we started seeing the for sale copies of uh, Apocalypse Now was in widescreen. Godfather was in, well, all the Coppola stuff, I suppose. Yeah. They, that's where they were pushing his vision. But I remember the Apocalypse Now one was a really big deal when that came out on VHS for sale. They had the two different versions. Yeah, really. The pan and scan, and then they had the, the, the full uh, widescreen version. We were not brave enough to have rental copies of that i guess the owner just didn't want to have rental copies Mm -hmm. and because i was working at that video store i didn't really go to the other video stores so all i knew was what was happening at tidal wave video at that particular time people would come back with their purchased copies of whatever it was where it said you know special widescreen edition and and say they're cutting off you know the top and bottom of the screen i can't the, the it's there's something wrong with this tape I remember that when yeah. I was managing a video store in the late 90s, people were still bringing stuff back and going, oh, yeah. do, do you, do you guys fucked up. This is wrong. Yeah. I want my money back. And I'm like, it's actually preserving the original aspect ratio. Yeah, they don't want that. And they, we, yeah. we you actually, tell them that. We actually had a pamphlet at one of the video stores nice. that had Jaws. And you opened the. It was just a little square on the cover, die cut, and then you opened ah, it. Ah, yeah, and, and then it you showed saw you the, whole... the. And people gotcha. were like, "Yeah." Some people were like, "Wow, what a difference!" And then other people were like, "I don't care, stupid," you know. Yeah. But, oh, but I again, remember when it first started. Warner Brothers had to settle a, a giant series of lawsuits because all they would do is take their uh, pan and scan versions four by three and literally just chop the top yeah. and bottom off by adding bars. I had a version of Terminator 3 on DVD that did this, and it was really obvious how, because uh, I was on DVD forms at the time, this tells you the mentality of many collectors and people who are very fetishistic about video. Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines came out, and like, this has been cut off. I know because on the real widescreen, you can see Kristana Loken's bare breasts when she's walking in the <laughs> intro, but here it's cut off, so you know they did it on purpose. <laughs> It's true, though, but it is. And, I mean, on the old rear projection televisions, most of them had menus. Uh, my friend, uh, one of my best friends uh, for years, still has a 20-plus-year-old uh, wide uh, rear projection television they still uses. And you have to – it's you take it for granted now, stuff is done in 16 by 9 or mm-hmm. optimized for it. You just put it on a screen, and it's already widescreen. It fills the screen the way it should be. Right. But on those, you had to manually adjust. Right. So, again, it's like – Kind of like you were saying, too, you would hunt down stuff, and now you have a lot of people, both casual and, you know, very um, diehard collectors who are keeping not only physical media alive, but a big part of it is a completionist mentality. Yeah. I ha- Not only do I have to have every version, but I I need this or that. Like, I need either there's something missing or I want that other version. Yep. And so it, it keeps um, places alive. Um, record stores, um, you know, DVD stores too, because people are still looking for those golden buys. They want to find. Um, I recently, I remember I, a friend of ours, Monty. He had wanted. Um, he always asked me to keep a lookout. You know, we would tell each other what to look out for. Um, Man who fell to earth, Criterion Blue. Mm-hmm. Never found it in the wallet, but I remember finding a copy on DVD uh, at Zia for like ten bucks. 
And I was like, sweet. Took it home, you know? And I was like, yeah, I like this movie. I, I want I want the Criterion version. I don't see this. You know, now, and I went to Zia a couple a week ago, and, you know, the price, the market price on it now is up over $100. Yeah. And it's like, and that was only a couple years ago. So it's, you know, and that's, you know, also fuels on the downside of the flippers and the well, eBay and here's stuff, what it but, is. That movie's being reissued on Blu-ray yeah. in a few months. So right. what is that going to do to the price of that Criterion? Well, yeah, but that's you know? always the market. Um, I just saw um, they've been doing an Amazon exclusive series uh, for a lot of the films of Fred Olin Ray, who did... The Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers and yeah. Scalps and stuff. Um, they're finally re-releasing Jacko. Um, they're going to put it on DVD because uh, it's the uh, mono or analog, and you know the source is so bad on it. But just because it's gone, it goes for sixty to hundred bucks. And Fred Olney's like, this is ridiculous. Uh, our uh, uh, Jesus from Slasher Video just about shock him dead because it was so tired of pricing on those the dvd was going for over a hundred bucks yeah now you can buy it for 20 on blue and floated with special features that that, version was good but still and that's one of the things that really bothers me right now best buy has an exclusive they they put out movies on blu-ray exclusively and it's movies like the burbs or the money pit uh the great outdoors like these are classic staple 80s movies and these are bare bones Mm blu-rays but the only way you can get them is a Best Buy. And here's a chance for you to really be a leader and make people come to Best Buy, which is going to be gone in probably 10 years. Uh, I'm going to call that, maybe. Yeah. But just, you know, it's funny to me, but they carry all the Scream and Shout Factory stuff. So why not put yourself on that same market? I wouldn't be shocked if in a few years Best Buy goes that route. But they used to be. They used to. Best Buy was... I mean, I am sorry to all local record um, stores and, and DVD outlets and stuff. And I, it's like, you know, people would say Blockbuster killed the mom and pop. In a lot of ways, it was true, of course. But that was one of the things that Best Buy had. They were making deals with companies that only, I mean, God, probably operated out of somebody's apartment. Mm-hmm. But you get, I know because they had Code Red. And Code Red was oh, making yeah, yeah. Best Buy exclusive editions. Mm-hmm. Of course, they were getting gouged on it and Bill is crazy as shit. But he also puts out amazing movies, as does his brother, who runs Scorpion releasing. And now they finally figure out the best solution was to go through uh, Screen Archives Entertainment, who owns Twilight Time and releases their own Blu-rays. Yeah. Also, and extremely, especially in the aftermarket, price... Um, and those shouldn't be as limited as they are. Like, Fright, Fright Night on Blu-ray should not cost me over $100. Yeah, and it's and, and they, had, they released that one twice. I know a lot of people are looking for Christine... But they messed up, like you talk about the color timing thing. The Night of the Living Dead 1990 version has horrible color timing. And now an Australian company put out a two-disc Blu-ray edition that I was able to get off Amazon for like 25 bucks. When I was at Phoenix Comic Con, I was telling Tony Todd about it, and he was like, God, I need to go order like 50 of these for my table. This sounds awesome. And it is. It's a great edition. Um, but it's – and that's the thing is like you – like Victor said, you want people – to still buy physical media, I mean, it is your brick-and-mortar stores are going away and not based on pricing, solely based on availability. Well, we were talking on our last episode how I, I drove thir- like 30 miles away just to get a special edition of Ash vs. Evil Dead mm-hmm. on, in a certain type of packaging. I'm, I'm one of those people who wants the best possible version of something if I'm going to buy it. 
You know, I could go to Target right now and get a shitty, like, lenticular version of it. I could go to Best Buy right now and get a bare bones, shitty version of Christine on Blu-ray, you know. But if there's a bet that's going to have all the most exclusives possible, that's why I buy stuff from, like, Shout Factory. They'll, like, they'll, oh, the definitive thing. Oh, the definitive Escape from New York. Invasion of the Body Snatcher in 1978 is one of my favorite movies. I bought the Shout Factory version of it, even though I hate the artwork on the slipcover. Mm-hmm. You know? But it's worth it because it comes with all these new documentaries. It even has an episode of some TV show from, like, the 50s or 60s that filmed the, the book version of this. You know? Yeah. And to me, that's awesome. But at the same time, I think... I there's no Blu-ray version of the 1993 version that Abel Ferrara did. I really like that version too. It's you know, right now it's uh, 2016. This came out in 1993. The only way you can get this is on a four multi-pack from Warner Brothers or on a uh, cardboard cell, you know, contained DVD, which I have two copies of, <laughs> you know, because it's made out of cardboard. You know, I, th- I think I still. Well, I had my VHS. VHS too. I had my VHS yeah. copy up until like maybe like three or four years ago. Yeah, but it's just one of those things where you realize there's of tons of movies from the '90s that are not on DVD. Or well, it's not that it's a moratorium. It's just that it goes into like what happened with all these films, like Waxwork and all these. They end up going on to these Lionsgate libraries, you know, yeah. packs and stuff that they sell in Walmart for three or four bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But no, no. Yeah, but, right. And then it's that's kind of the whole conversation is is that and then you get preservationists and and fans who want this on an, um, a format, you know, they're like, I need this. Um, and you know they they get going and they want it and it's just kind of like, but it's great because you now have an, a much easier avenue for direct sales. Mm-hmm. But that's also the downside. Like I, I I really feel bad. I mean I'm happy I got one, but um, I love Diabolic DVD. They're an amazing distributor for um, films uh, region around the world and stuff, and they get a lot. Of, not as many of the big box sets are limited, but if you're looking for some of the more interesting stuff, it's definitely on there. But one of them was they became the American distributor for the new Herschel Gordon Lewis box set. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, and right, right, right. they made only 500 for the U.S., and they made like 2,000 for the U.K. Now, Something Weird Video um, put that out in the U.S. on DVD years and years. I mean, you could buy it anywhere. Um, they also did the Ed Wood box set and some other amazing stuff. Rest in peace, Mike. Awesome people. Um, but they literally... Um, I think they anticipated that the UK audience was going to want it more since they didn't have as many great releases because some weird releases were amazing. Um, but they made this set, and it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just the extras, the physical extras are worth the price alone, mm-hmm. but you also get all the films. His entire collection retailed. I paid, I think, $212 for it. Um it sold out in less than three hours. Oh, yeah. And you're talking mm-hmm. 500 copies at 200 bucks each. This is not cheap. And Herschel Gordon Lewis isn't one of those kind of people. It's not a John Carpenter or something where there's no. a set where people are going to be like, I got to have it right now. Right. Yeah, you have diehard fans. But, I mean, it was literally one so fast. And people are very upset that they're not going to be able to get it. And I can understand that, too. Because I felt that way about numerous items. But and that's kind of where it also does get frustrating besides the flipping thing we talked about is is that 
everything is so limited now. Well, yeah. I mean, and this puts us in a position where, I mean, as, as we wind this up, yeah. if you're not plugged into these outlets that get the news about these things out, you're out of luck. Uh, Arrow Video put out, like, this beautiful Hellraiser box set that was a UK exclusive. And unless you knew ahead of time, you didn't get it because it sold out before it even came out. Oh, you want to hear with the deep red? Too. You want to hear the biggest fuckery? Nightbreed. Nightbreed. How they just like shot themselves in the foot. They didn't. I I don't know if they didn't know like what the response was going to be. I don't know how many copies. Uh, of the limited first was three thousand. Then a little bit later, like oh, such an overwhelming response. Now we're going to make seven thousand of them. And that one was not cheap for what you no. got. No. It was like seventy bucks, and I—that's one of the only ones I've ever felt like. God, you guys really um, overpriced this one. Because well, but the, but I'm saying is that they, I, I still like it. But I get what you're saying. They, about They the doubled up the limited edition. Editions. Now it didn't feel like you were getting something special yeah. anymore. So it is. Then once out. it arrived at my door, the next day it showed up on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I you didn't get all the, you know all yeah. the extras and everything like that, but. But you got the uncut like, version of the film, which was the meat yeah. of that material. Right. Well, the worst of this is now, since everything sells out so quickly, people like me end up in this position where it's like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that, but I don't really know if I want to pull the trigger because I'm not like a super fan. But you almost feel like you have to because if you don't get it right when it comes out, your ch- your window of getting it again is so small in the future. Yeah. This isn't just limited to... You know these box sets. It's it's now Everything. it's toys, vinyl issues. I can tell you, I'm planning on going to Beyond Fest. Uh, you know, at the beginning of October, and then they sent out. They're they're not. They haven't even announced their schedule yet. They're announcing it this Thursday. But their first tweet is like, "Oh, we're bringing out an entire you know Death Walt slash Mondo store out for Beyond Fest." But they haven't announced anything. But all that tells me is like, great. So there's things there that are clearly going to be exclusive. That if and you know I'm putting you know we as collectors are kind of like maxed out because some some weeks like seven things hit and they're not cheap at all and you're like okay so do I have to budget for this and now I don't even know what's gonna come out is it gonna be something I'm really really gonna want or is it just like you know it's taxing these are first world problems people I realize that <laughs> but it's called s- I always remember the first time I went there I was like. It is called toy anxiety for a reason. Yeah. Because it is. Yeah. It it shouldn't be a situation where, and Screen Factory's bought into this wholesale now where, like, the collector's edition of, uh, was it Child's Play? They had the exclusive NECA figure. And it gets with an exclusive NECA good guy Chucky doll that they're never going to make again. And it's the same thing with Bill and Ted. And now as that goes on and on, it's like, great, I'm going to have to buy box sets I don't really 100% want just for this action figure that I might not ever get again. Well, and that's the biggest part is I might not get again because anyone who knows in the collecting field knows what eBay and Amazon is going to look like the next day. Yeah. It's like, I mean, there are people I have no doubt wrapping up and stuff because we talked about before. It's like you are grateful for everything that's so amazing. It's just such a double-edged sword is, is that there are people I'm pretty sure who are now retired individuals off of Mondo and uh, – Death Waltz, as you mentioned with the Beyond Fest thing, and other limited stuff. Um, SDCC exclusives literally ha- is an entire cottage industry. Yeah. I mean, it is an industry. You know, Pe- which is too bad because, like, selling something, that you know, flipping something 
as opposed, you know, I, I bet like the, the artists themselves who made that limited edition poster and sold the rights off to whatever other company and then it sold out so fast that and then when it gets flipped, it's the same thing with like used DVDs, used CDs. That money doesn't go back to the artist. So no. you're saying if someone could retire off it or live off of, you know, turning this stuff over and selling it, you got the artist going, oh, I got to do another thing this week with the blah, 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 blah. Probably making a living, but not making the big, you yeah. know, buco bucks at so-and-so. Th- that's why I hate that one, that Toy Hunters show when that was on. Oh, With yeah. the guy just, like, looking for, you know, the ad at that was up in someone's, you know, attic or something still in the box all fresh. Give him this total lowball offer. And he's like, yeah, well, I just got to get rid of my whole collection. Then he would go to the to the toy fair and sell it for, you know, five times more uh, just because that's what it was worth to somebody else. And you just, like... Oh, well, he would also get some exclusives like when he found the production of Boba Fett and all those. When he found all oh, yeah. his Kenner employees who traded, yeah, test, test models for literally like credit at a comic shop. I remember that episode and going, Man, it, it, you really are. It's like, it, like I said, people gotta make a living. Obviously, people flip everything. You know, this mm-hmm. started with the Antiques Roadshow, American Pickers, yeah. Storage Wars, all this stuff. Everything has been co opted, but it really comes down to it's like. I understand people are going to sell stuff. People have businesses to hold, but it's like that's that's the best point, man. In the end, that's that's the downside of everything. But that's where the but it's the good reasoning as to why it's the downside. Yeah. yeah. Instead of being about money, 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 this really is about artists. And oh, yeah, and, and a lot of that stuff wouldn't be worth anything if if it wasn't for all these exclusives. I, one of the one of the very first things that I remember of getting caught up into it and then basically just severing my arm from from the in, entire. Uh, uh, industry was with comic books. Yeah. So when when McFarlane left and and started doing Image, um, well, when the Batman stuff, when the uh, uh, the Dark Knight, and they started having you know first printing, second printing, you know fourth printing, eighth printing, uh, because hologram cover. Well, with that's what yeah. like yeah with the image stuff like with Spider Man number one when he started doing that, mm. uh, and and he had his own run. Uh, well, I guess that was before Image, right? Yeah, because that was still yeah, that was that still, was still yeah. Marvel. Mm-hmm. But he before did a he went lot into with Spawn. Image too. Yeah, he did that a lot too, to where it was just ad nauseum, and you just didn't even want to like look at an at, at an alternate cover anymore, whatever it was. Uh, there, there was that lull that was in between where nothing was happening because they just ran it into the ground so hard with seven different covers yeah. or eight different covers, and even if you ran the comic book shop, you weren't even guaranteed to get that version no. in and keep it for yourself. Because you know that that happens Retailer too. incentive. Yeah. Right. Well, and then something like that happened not too long ago with Diabolic DVD and Grindhouse where they put out pieces on in this really beautiful like box set with a soundtrack and everything. Yep. And Diabolic DVD exclusively got the puzzle from the movie that the killer has. And they made this pretty clear, even though Amazon and some other outlets, I know Z Records got copies of it. But if you ordered it from Diabolic, you were guaranteed the puzzle. And people bought it elsewhere, and they didn't get it, and it just became this whole thing where they were blaming the distributor, they were blaming Grindhouse. Right. And at that certain point, it says, the thinking is, you should do your due diligence if you really want that exclusive, because... That's not just limited to that. Anytime a big release comes out nowadays, you have to decide which version you want because 
Best Buy will have an exclusive version. Yeah. Target will have an exclusive version. They're all different. Usually Target's comes with extra discs, and those command a high resale value. And Best Buy tends to have steelbooks. And we, yeah, I was going to say, we even just touched on our last episode about steelbooks. That's an entire industry of itself. It's just steelbooks, media books, hard boxes. Yeah. Um, then you got tins. Like the, the tins, shaped collector sets, bus. Adam has the beautiful Planet of the Apes, um, the uh, Caesar, Caesar one. Yeah. But yeah. then there's also the and original. Then, yeah, and DC's like, doing these now with Amazon where they come with like, 12-inch statues, cold cast statues that cost like $200. And it's just one of those things where is it going to be like the comic book industry where there's just so many exclusives and stupid versions of these movies that are very disposable in the end? I'm getting to that point. Yeah. I have to pick and choose my the types of things that I want to have for my own collection. Yeah. And I'm not going to get suckered into getting, you know, like you said, 12 different versions of, you know, Halloween or whatever it is. Uh, I just I can't I can't do it. I've always been that way. I've been starting to collect stuff again over the last few years. Uh, Ann and I are kind of an enabling each other in that way, which is which is okay. It's not a it's not a bad thing, but you just have to be picky and choosy and and not go straight into the poorhouse trying to save up for some exclusive whatever reselled through eBay or Craigslist or whoever and whatever. Even if it's a first run thing, yeah. Like you said, it can be two hundred and twelve dollars for you know a Herschel yeah. Gordon you know box set, um, which is fair price when you pay it. And well, like right. I said, you had to assess it. But it's like Victor said, it's pulling the trigger. And are you going to shoot yourself in the foot or kill yourself from regret? Yeah, it's like it shouldn't be the way. That is the definition yeah. of first world problems. Yeah. I am so, and I'm really trying to get away from that. I used to be such a minimalist. And now I, I literally have floor to ceiling hoarding oh going God. on. I, I'm not. I've, I'm very open about it, man. Yeah. I got a. I got a problem. But it really is. But it is the way you said. You really need to have the self assessment. Yeah. And so for anybody who's a collector out there, uh, as Victor said, due diligence, do your research, yeah. and figure out what you really, really want. But know that also, do it because you should be supporting some of these excellent companies and, and entities that are doing this who are fans too mm-hmm. exactly and i think that's a good good note to wrap this up on if you guys our listeners if there's some awesome edition of some movie you think we should talk about or some great collectible you'd really like us to say hey you should have talked about that let us know in the comments because we're always up for revisiting this issue down the line and we want to know what you guys collect too maybe we could work out some trading system who that's knows true. barter is the key to the future <laughs> until then yeah, we'll catch you on the flip side, I am Victor Marino along with Adam Murkowski Meow. and Kirby Nelson. In the spirit of this episode, rest in peace to our friend Brian Faber from Zia Records. Yeah.